Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And they think he's a righteous dude. We're looking at Ferris Bueller's Day Off. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? I'm all right, Jeff. How are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. You are so welcome. Today's episode is a listener request from Ryan in NYC. So thank you, Ryan, because I had not seen this movie in so long, and uh, this was a delight to revisit this film. And if you, listener, have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of, email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. So... Let's get into it. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a comedy that came out on June 11th, 1986, and was written and directed by John Hughes. Amy Jo, what's your experience with Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Had you seen it before? This is one of the movies I watched the most in, I would say, like the middle school, high school times. Oh, wild. I watched it an awful lot. Um, This is definitely by far the John Hughes movie I've seen the most. Mm. I would say I've... I've seen Breakfast Club maybe twice. D- D- John Hughes directed films. Oh, now. sorry. If we're yes, talking John thinking. Hughes in general, then uh, I believe he's got a screenwriter stamp on that Home Alone. <laughs> oh, well, then in that case, that's of course the winner by the far. The film that we rewatch You're... every year. <laughs> I will rewatch that movie every day of the week. I do not need a season uh, to be an excuse. Um, but as insofar as like when I think like John Hughes eighties right. teen comedies, yes, yes, um, yes. I've seen Sixteen Candles, maybe mm-hmm. most of it. I've seen Pretty in Pink, maybe the end of it. You know, Breakfast Club. Like I said, I've seen that yeah. one maybe twice. You know, um, but this one I've seen scads of times, Jeffrey. <laughs> scads. How about yourself? Uh, not scads of time, but I have seen this uh, a handful, maybe three maybe four times um but not for so long definitely nowhere in the past decade have i seen this film i can't remember the last time i saw it but it's been a hot minute yeah i would guess high school since i've seen i have seen it more recently i've seen it since i moved to new york but that was 15 years ago so (laughs) i've had a a window a pretty big window in there uh but i thought it was so much fun like rewatching it and and i i thought it was fun before but i was just like uh, this is like a, almost a perfect script. This is like so many funny scenes, so many great characters. Uh, and yeah, I was like, I could rewatch the, I could put this on, we could put this on on the reg. We could be on watching this on the reg. I think if the Sloan character had any, mm. anything written about her other than she dates Ferris in the script. She also has a very cool fringe jacket. She has. That, that's, that's the other 50% of her personality. Her personality is mainly fringe <laughs> jacket and, uh, and then, uh, like a, like a lip gloss, you know? Yeah. She had to fight for the lip gloss. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, that's going to be too much. Too much. Too, lip gloss and fringe Don't and in love with our lead. This is, a lot for, this is a lot for a woman, Mia Sara. This is a lot for a young lady. <laughs> oh. Um, so yes, I think if there were more uh personality built in for her and that then we'd be really cooking he's gonna marry me yeah oh my god yeah eh, yeah it'd be great if she had just a little something are you else watching me change camera it's like what why most of your life anyway <laughs> i mean i think i know why uh but you know it's right. uh i would say that was the thing that 
rankled. True. I, I'm glad that we at least have Jeannie. We at least it's at least yes. it's not like this is our only main female For character. Sure. We have like other strong Jeannie's specifically got Jeannie, but uh, a personality. Jeannie McClurg as a secretary is also. Oh, she's an a gem. What a gem. Yeah, I mean, and I don't even mind so much that the sister like everything revolves around Ferris because yeah. I think that's much of the premise of the film is right. that everything seemingly revolves around this. Yeah. Person. When Ferris isn't on screen where everyone's asking where's Ferris or, you know, save, save Ferris. Ferris. <laughs> Tell him the guys at the station are all pulling for him. So funny. <laughs> it's such a great running gag. The I mean, mom that is water, also the great. water tower, the oh, water tower. So funny. Oh, and the mom, the mom is great. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great eighties hair and just and superb. styling. Oh, so hundred percent. So and also like, styled in such a way that is so 80s and yet not like it that's how people looked you know yeah, it's, oh, not no, like right. a, it's not like a caricature. goofy it's take not like, on it right how people said if people today were trying to make an 80s movie yes about a kid ditch in school that it would just be so wildly over the top in a way that this film could be with these some of these outfits mm-hmm. but it just it's got that je ne sais quoi it's got that in the moment it's so true i i was saying to you when we were watching it and uh the the three kids are like at the at the sears tower i think Mm -hmm. or whatever it's called now at the time it was the sears tower but i was like this would be a great halloween group costume oh yeah because they're all so like you get that weird vest for broderick you get that jersey for for rock and detroit and you get that, get a sweet yeah. fringe jacket that and a long straight wig. Jacket. You're good to go. You're good to go. Let's get into it. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off or haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. High school senior Ferris Bueller fakes illness to stay at home. His sister Jeannie believes he is faking, as does Dean of Students Edward R. Rooney, who is committed to catching him. Ferris convinces his girlfriend Sloane and pessimistic best friend Cameron to spend the day in Chicago as one of their last flings before they graduate. Ferris borrows Cameron's father's prized 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Spider. Less than a hundred were made. <laughs> to pick Sloane up at school under the pretext of her grandmother's supposed demise. We get this incredible scene with Rooney and Edie McClark is the secretary of. Oh my gosh. Call, calling to be like, oh yeah, sure. He's called. He like as if uh, Sloane's father has called to like excuse, excuse me my daughter like as you can it's see me, that peterson. We, peterson we've had a, a bit of trouble as you've seen and rooney is just assumes it's ferris until ferris but it's really cameron so when ferris calls in and edie mcclurg is just like it's ferris bueller ferris online, bueller's online too, too. Uh, it's so good and they're all just this like farce of a scene of with Cameron just being like, you're an asshole, an asshole. As Ed, as he's just like, tr- Rooney's trying to get the secretary to find out where Sloane is. And she's then having to like pretend to be him. him. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie is her going, oh, what? It is so beautiful. She is a treat. Such a treasure. It's so, so funny. All of his stuff leading into it though, Rooney, of just like, oh, will you, uh, you know, let me just, uh, you know, Haul this pile of bones in here. Let me get a yeah, look. Bring her all her sack of bones. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, you show this dead body and uh, we'll release your you daughter. You produce a corpse. You produce a corpse. That's right. It's so funny. The, really, the first half hour is, or however long it is before they, like, get into the car. I think it's about half it's an about, hour. Yeah, it's like a clean 30 but minutes. But yeah. before they get into the car and all three of them, yeah, like, drive yeah, off. Yeah. It's all that setup is so fun. It's just establishing his his character the whole bit with him feigning illness 
it, it's so much jump, more charming than it jump. should be. Matthew Broderick, tour de force. I'll say it right now, tour de Absolutely. force performance from Matthew Broderick. But like this opening scene of him with his parents where he's just like feigning illness. And it's just like, oh, Jeannie, like, is that you? I can't see. I can't that see that far. far. Please don't be mad, Jeannie. You have your health. Be thankful. <laughs> it just it's like, oh, like his parents, like, okay, pumpkin. He's like, okay, okay pumpkin. pumpkin. He's like, I need my, I need my blanket. <laughs> it's but such a little ridiculous. Stinker. Just like a, as if he's like eight years old, like a little mm-hmm. Dennis the Menace, like a little child. Like, I'm just a little sick baby. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard. Uh, and I love that that's what bookended the film is and it ends with him once his parents checking on him in bed and he's just like, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm OK. I swear. Please let me go to school tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, how, how did you become like whatever, like such a care? How do we get such a caring, sweet kid? Like, how are you so caring and sweet? It's like years of practice. I guess. Like, no kidding. <laughs> uh, so Cameron is dismayed when Ferris decides to take the car into downtown Chicago with the promise they will return it as it was. The trio leave the car with parking attendants. And this is on Ferris because Ferris is like the first thing he says is like, hey, uh, you speak English? And like, ooh, yeah, strike it's... one, Ferris. And then tries to pay him off and is like, oh, you're you're asking for trouble. Like, of course, they're going to steal to take this car for a joyride. He's also like tipping like this guy and the um, the Mater D with like singles and it's like oh, my I even friend. noticed that i was like where's he getting all this money because they have the, like the money for lunch that's well, an expensive they, place they clearly pay for I lunch forgot. and everything but it's just i'm pretty sure it's a single maybe i'm wrong but like the guy like kind of like drops his hand having having had many friends and i mean i've worked in the restaurant industry but i worked like in casual dining you know but having had friends who worked at fancy hardcore places, dining hardcore <laughs> dining come visit our- extreme dining <laughs> It sounds like a Guy Fieri restaurant. Uh, and I'm thinking more like, you know, something swanky. Um, I was thinking more like your waiter bungee jumps down to drop off your apps. Hey, guys, what's up? Everyone's on inline skates. And it's it's just like a skate <laughs> oh, or skateboards. No. But it's like I, all like a skate park. I had a friend who used to work at Sonic. Speaking of really fancy places. And at some locations, they still had the servers on roller skates to get that full like yeah. 50s feel. And this friend of mine should never have been trusted oh, on roller skates. <laughs> she did not last long at that location. Would she wipe out I th- on the she, skates? Well, or? I think it was more like she was so slow. And then, because she's trying not <laughs> to drop the food. slowly inching yes, forward. As, as exactly. if she's walking on ice. Just like, ah. She's already the type of person who is not predisposed to do well in the food service industry. She's an accountant now. She's like a brilliant math mind, but like totally, she is, she'd be the server who I'd be like, you forgot to put my order in, didn't you? And then put her on roller skates. It's just an accident waiting to happen. But anyway, some of my friends who have like, I have a friend, for instance, who was a maitre d' at a really fancy place. And like people would slip, slip her like, a hundred to like get a good table kind of thing. So we're talking, I'm granted that is like, you know, mid two thousands and not mid eighties, but still I doubt a, cr- a crumpled single mm-hmm. is going to hack it at uh le, le petit restaurant. Man, you'd think that uh, Abe from in the sausage King of Chicago could uh, afford uh, to tip you a know, bit better. Am I right? At least a 10 spot, you <laughs> at know, at least a 10 spot from Abe from in the sausage King Abe, of Chicago. Abe from a missed opportunity to ha- to not, get some cameo of someone to appear as Abe from in the Sasha Chicago to yes. appear in and like, where, where's my table? I've um, always you know, wondered give, give, what happened. Whatever. I don't know. I, for whatever reason, there's no reason specifically for this, but I wanted Alan Arkin to just pop in as the sausage King of Chicago or Eugene Levy. Maybe either of those is Eugene Levy's well, Abe from in. Also all of these like New York 
actor, at least the kids, I think, are, are all like born in New York, you know, but it's like there's so many Chicago area, legendary Chicago comedians that you could have had just like someone come in and, you know, sure. you know, anybody, any, uh, a Belushi. Yeah. Oh, a Belushi? Absolutely. A Belushi. Sure. The trio leave the car with parking attendants who promptly take the car for a joyride and they explore the city with that great like Star Wars music it cue is as they're flying over a, over a hill. Uh, and the trio, they uh, they check out the Art Institute of Chicago, the Sears Tower. They catch a baseball game at Wrigley Field. It's a lot, I don't know how they have time for all this. I this is pushing the truly, limits. Truly, like as long as school always felt when you were in it, it's not that long. Though they do have until six is the thing. It's not just the end of the school day because they just got they only have to be back by six because, because that's, that's when, when parents, parents get parents home. Back. Yeah. And as for Sloan and Cameron's parents, who knows? Well, we know that his dad is out of town. Oh, Cameron? Uh, yeah. But Sloan's, do we know? Sloan's, do, I'm sure there's some again, line about Sloan's parents. we know nothing about well, they're, they're Sloan. Well, de- they're dealing with the dead grandmother. Of it, it's course. She, her grandmother actually is also dead. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not just a ruse. And then finally joining a parade float during the Von Steuben Day parade where Ferris Von Steuben, Steuben Day. Von Steuben Day. Uh, where Ferris spontaneously lip syncs Wayne Newton's cover of Danke Shane, followed by a rendition of the Beatles' Twist and Shout. Now I'm imagining a Wayne Knight cover of Danke Shane, and that's something I want to see. That's something oh, I wish we'd Knight gotten. Yeah. cover of Wayne. Wayne Knight, Knight sings Newton? I'm kind Knight of into it. Knight sings Newton. There's that episode of, <laughs> of Third Rock from the Sun where he's like the karaoke king. He is the karaoke king. Come on. We, we have I... him going through Third Rock from the Sun, listener. Um, <laughs> excellent. So a lot of our references will be from Third Rock from the Sun. Sorry. That's primarily what All we of our watch. references will be from Third Rock from the Sun. You'll be a great Ferris. John Lithgow. <laughs> French Stewart as Cameron. Uh, actually, but. Actually, will... that's not bad. No, I was going to say, actually, a little young Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Ferris. Hey, He's a little oh, schemer. He's hey. a little, a little, uh. A little stinker. A little stinker. They right. can get away with it because he looks so cute. But you're like, oh, you're actually like, uh, you know, you're. You're a wheeler You're, you're, you're running a gambling den, den in your high school <laughs> lunchroom. Uh, also, apparently during the parade, several of the people seen dancing. Specifically, you can see the construction worker at one point. Right. And, like this window washer. They were not part of the film. They were just dancing. You know, they, they were filming all day, all several days of this parade. So they were just dancing and enjoying. So John Hughes is like, film those guys. Uh, don't get a release. Don't get a release. <laughs> uh, right. But and John Hughes just found it so funny. He was like, told the camera operators, record them, record That's them. That's awesome, actually. I love that. I bet that's what happened with all the stair dancers too, who just spontaneously yeah, just started doing the same choreography. To be walking by, that's well, crazy. well, it was the cast of uh, I don't know, Cats. The cast of Cats were just happened to be going by, and they were like, "Oh my god, what's going on here? Let's just that start was, doing. A, let's just uh, start with a the gel, Chicago gel sit down of Cats. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, meow, 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 meow. I mean, Cats was a worldwide phenomenon. It it was. And there had to have been a Chicago production. I would be oh, shocked yes, if there was not a Chicago production in 1986. Yes. And I'd be shocked if it wasn't all of these people that happened to be dancing to the parade. Du, 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 du. <laughs> du, du, du. When they when they like came over the hill, well not the hill, but up the staircase, yeah. I went, Oh right. <laughs> I believe I said that aloud because I had completely forgotten about the stair dancers. It's a delight. Uh meanwhile, Jeannie frustrated that the entire school supports and rallies. Ferris skips class and returns home to confront him. At the same time, Rooney prowls the Bueller home, attempting to prove Ferris is faking sick, but comes across Jeannie, who kicks him three times in the face. After he has been mauled by their dog. This Rottweiler, yeah. Yes. There's no means to keep this Rottweiler inside the house. There's a dog door. I was like, if this is really a vicious dog and there's no fence or anything like this. Well, I took it that it's not a vicious dog. 
just if it someone knows. is breaking into the, well, so he's breaking into the house. Like he he's is. got his head. He's pulling a full Daniel Stern. He's got his sure head is. in the doggy door. And you know, this dog is like, this is my house. This is my responsibility. This <laughs> is my house. I have to defend it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you know, and then there's the part where the dog is just shoots him with a BB gun in the face of the and dog. And sets off a fire. Sets off a fire. And he's like, yeah. and to, he's like, Hey Rooney, you, know, you, you give up or you thirsty for more. Yeah. It's dog home alone. This dog is just, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Ferris had just set all these traps as well. Cause he's this, rig that he's got of like you ring the bell and it's his voice coming through the intercom yeah like all the the fake mannequin in bed like he could be setting up a blowtorch at the kitchen door now that i'm thinking about it like home alone really is ripped off he ripped off a lot from himself basically you know john hughes did you know i I wouldn't be surprised if he was like what if the whole movie was built up to like the the rooney character breaking into the house what if the whole movie was that yes and it's like the full rocking around the christmas tree set up that he's got that yeah, is very much it's true. just my mannequin in bed hey if you're gonna steal steal from yourself steal from yourself because then no one can accuse you of plagiarism exactly just of also reusing your own get bits i i had because we watched this together and then like the the next day i was re uh i was skimming through it just to like remind myself of certain scenes and i missed the first time because there's like all these gifts coming for ferris throughout the day right. uh and including this like flower delivery that rooney takes and then goes around the house and they cut to like this dog is like unconscious on right. the ground. And I just didn't clock that like, oh, he chucked this oh, flowers yes. at this dog's head. He assaulted this dog. He, he did. He knocked, the, he dog knocked the dog out. Sweet dreams. It, 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 this is like he's going above like Hannibal Lecter on worst villains in film. The guy knocks out a dog. Yeah, I was shocked because I missed. I was like, wait, what? I thought the dog like. Like, like a fantastic Mr. Fox, like he, you know, loaded a blueberry with some sleeping powder and his dog ate it and now was asleep. I was like, I didn't realize that he had, because you don't hear like a nope. shattering sound effect. It's just this dog that might as well be dead on the ground. And thankfully isn't. Because no. then he uh, gets the door slammed on him later and that dog wakes up and chases him again. All of this, I was so tickled by all of Jeffrey Jones eating crap the whole time, you know, losing his shoes in the mud, just like getting made the fool. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, and then getting kicked, which they edited it to be, it's supposed to just get kicked once in the face. And then clearly it was like, well, this is too funny. So let's just edit three different shots one after the other. So it looks like she's, he's kicking him three times in the face. It's great. Because I totally buy that Jeannie also is the type of person who has gone and like done uh, like a self-defense Krav Maga. course. She's a Krav Maga. <laughs> yes. In her spare time. Also, uh, w- one thing that is amusing to me is that everyone in school knows Ferris. And yet no one, no knows, one knows that Jeannie that is Jeannie his is sister, sister. Possibly his twin. Like, if he's a senior and she's, like... Is she a senior as well? I don't know. It's not implied that they're in the same grade, but, like, she seems like the older sister. Yeah, I think that John Hughes just wanted her to have, like, the older sister energy, but it's, like, she still has to be in high school and right. Ferris is a senior, so we'll just kind of ignore that. We just that. won't talk about it. We just won't talk about it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. They could be twins, which makes it all the more frustrating. Yes. That no one is, yeah, no one even knows who she is. It's like. It's not just like, oh, your brother Ferris. It's just like, oh, you, do you know Ferris? And it's like. Did you know Ferris the same last name? He winked at me this morning. Oh, man. It's so good. That's a really good Jennifer Grey impression I just did. I hope you're not too intimidated. Well, I don't know why you're laughing. I'm very intimidated. I can't. I was going to do my Jennifer Grey impression. Well, but do it, it now. It would just pale in comparison. I agree. To yours, so I'm not even going to touch it. Well. Uh, so as 
Jeannie phones the police. Rooney gains consciousness and runs back outside, unknowingly leaving his wallet behind. Uh-oh. <laughs> when the police arrive, they assume Jeannie was making a prank I phone don't, call. This so they arrest her. Makes no sense to me. They don't I don't think they arrest her. They're like, well, they you need to come down to the station. station because you filed a phony report. And it's like, number one, how do you think that that's true? Like how do you check on my dog who might be dead around the house? Why don't you check house? for the giant footprints that are all around the house? Why do you check for the giant Irishman who's just he's just stamping around who's, Why who's still you, hiding in the bushes. Exactly. It's just like what how what? And then and then at the station when the mom comes, the the guy who is like taking her statement or reference talking to the mother is like, well, whatever it was. She's had a pretty big scare. It's like, so why don't you think it was an intruder who was in the house? I, it, I don't. Uh, ma'am, we get a lot of these uh, false reports from scared women hiding uh, who are at home alone. They call in. You know, they maybe there was a dog. Maybe there was a mailman who rang on the doorbell and they get scared. And, you know, we think the best thing for them is to uh, arrest them and shame them. So uh, we strongly encourage you to ground her and possibly uh, ruin her life even more totally. if possible. Like, I get that the movie is trying to be like everything always goes well for Ferris and Jeannie Nothing always gets to but it's like but there is a way to do this without it being confusing well maybe there was like because we don't see the scene so maybe there's a deleted scene that was like we just don't have time for this of genie with the cops like maybe just like chewing them out where it's just really like yelling to the point like okay you gotta calm down like let's just sort this out of the station like okay well now you're yelling at us and you're raising a ruckus so now we're gonna call your mom and Mm -hmm. get have them deal with you because you know the the real uh moment for her to finally like the last straw I don't think we really see the last straw. We just see everything piling up on her. Nothing going right for her. She's trying to. The, yeah. The great shot where Ferris is like to Cameron, like, you know, if we didn't skip school, we'd be in gym right now. And they cut to Jeannie just drives by the guy's running track and just goes, I hate him. Because well, she sees that he's not. <laughs> right. It, but it's like she knows he's not. She knows he's home yeah. sick. So why does she go there? I don't know. Except to just highlight that. <laughs> she's skipping school, too, but at I school. Know. She's yeah, skipping yeah, she's... all of her classes, but she's still. To, to, school. to skip school only to drive around school. Um, so maybe we're just missing the scene where she finally blows up. And then then you get, we get Charlie Sheen as this juvenile delinquent. I was just like, drugs? Oh, oh, no, thank you. I'm a straight edge. No, what are you in here for? Are you, are you in here, like, what are you in here for? Drugs. drugs. <laughs> is this the best Charlie Sheen role? Yeah, It might be the best we've it, ever gotten of Charlie Sheen. 100% is. Number one, it is, the, I've never been someone who's like, Charlie Sheen is an attractive person. I've just never really thought it. But then I see this, I was like, no, I get it. Well, he's, you got to have him as like young, young. bad boy. Yes. Because then the, he's all not the having appeal, to act. All the appeal is that you should not talk to this gentleman. Yes. And I think we've learned that that was true. But like him, like, oh my gosh, his character talking to her about like, you wear too much eye makeup. She is wearing a very soft, light brown eyeshadow, which is just meant to make her eyes pop a little bit. Like you barely, it's a very natural look. It's not like she's wearing a smoky eye. He is wearing more eye makeup than she Under is. his eyes to make him yes. look like he is drugged out. Just because yeah. it's movie magic makeup I doesn't, I was like, you need to wear less eye makeup, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> Made me so mad. I was like, what? Her soft, natural eye? 
you know, she's had to get up early to go to high school and then skip class all day. Like, give her a break. Yes, Charlie Maybelline over here. Charlie <laughs> uh, but he advises her not to worry so much about Ferris. It's like, just worry about yourself. Like, you're just so angry. I like, mean, how the does the advice this... is sound? The, yeah, it's like, well, why, you know, why don't you take the day off if you're upset that he's at the day off? It's like, that's not, she doesn't want to take the day off. She just wants him not to be able to. And it's I, like, this uh, is just r- r- so upsetting you. I identify with Jeannie. Not, not in the brother-sister relationship, even though, like, yeah. Aaron is a lot chiller than I am in a lot of ways. Like this, this is like a very heightened and antagonistic version of our dynamic. Sure. But like, I get, I get it being like, well, that's just, we're both, we are both rule followers. We are Jeff. We are. I never skipped. Did I skip? You know what? I skipped a class in college once to go to the 40th anniversary screening of Dr. Zhivago. (laughs) This is the most Amy J thing (laughs) I could learn about it. And then you, I my told love. my ballet teacher the next <laughs> class, I was like, and we got two excused absences. You could just miss for no reason twice. And I told the next class, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I missed last class, but it's because I went to um, Coolidge Corner to see the screening of blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, you had to do that. Right. <laughs> I think that's the only class I've sketched, even on Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, you know, if it was for, uh, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, I could understand, but just for Zhivago, uh, oh, no, I'm you know what? Your no, 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 sorry. It was Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. It okay. was, I saw Dr. Zhivago. The next that year, was at, that was your second day in, that you were able to miss. <laughs> but it's a different ballet teacher. Um, no, I did go see Doctor Javon. I've gosh, there's a lot of like movie theaters in the mass in the Boston area that will screen classics. Of course, of course. Um, I mean, I missed school because of sickness. Absolutely, but like yeah. Aaron would feign illness, mm-hmm. and my mom would just be like, "Oh, fine," you know. Me, I would feign wellness. I once. <laughs> And wellness. Well, I was like, I can't miss school. I have a test. Amy Joe's day on, where you're just like convincing everyone that you're not sick so you can go to school. This is legit. I once, like, I, I occasionally have like. Um, well, this is also a, why we uh, so relate to and enjoy Booksmart, which is, is really, really the so version of true. like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like teen comedy that is like, well, what about for the people that. Uh, what about they're too, the- they're too shy and they're just trying to get good grades and they're kind of nervous and they don't really get invited to the parties. It's like, what's the, what's their story? What's their one wild night? I did not go to a party where alcohol was being served until college. Oh, same. I, I know they were happening, but I didn't know where or care to find out. I had no idea. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I like assumed they were happening is what I guess what I should say. Right. But um, no, I, I, I sometimes have like allergic reactions with my eye and especially when I was younger, this would happen. And like truly my right eye was so swollen. I could barely see out of it. And I kept trying to convince my mom I needed to go to school. She's like, you look at you like you look <laughs> insane you know you may not go you're Please, just give me an face. eye patch i'll be a pirate first well i day. did then look at myself in the mirror i was like i see what you're saying <laughs> i do look wild but um yeah so i really relate to Jeannie um and sure. her being uh a bit a bit peeved or absolutely but yes uh charlie sheen tells her to not worry about it and they make out as her mom picks her up and uh, Jeannie is just kind of, helps take the edge off Jeannie. So a little make out with a grody Charlie Sheen is like, oh, this mm-hmm. is just what the doctor ordered. Did she say that some guys call her? Shauna. Shauna. Like my name, my name, she doesn't say Jeannie. She says, my name's Jean. She, she's like, I never got your name. It's like, my name's Jean, but, uh, you know, guys call me Shauna. Shauna. It's like, okay, Jean. She's like, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's like, 
But I was like, Shauna, is that your middle name? What? How on earth do we get Shauna from Jean? Not a clue. But yeah, the mom picks her up. Uh, Ferris, Sloane, and Cameron collect the Ferrari from the parking lot and head home, discovering many more miles on the odometer. Cameron becomes catatonic with shock. Back at Cameron's house, Ferris jacks up the car, runs it in reverse to rewind the odometer, which does not work. So Cameron finally snaps, letting out his anger against his overbearing father and wrecks the car. He just kicks the crap out of the fender. And then who he, do you love? The car. Right. And then he finally is like, OK, I'm OK. And then leans his foot on the car and then it falls off the jack and goes. Because it's still on. Through the window. It's horrifying, you know? Especially just, just hearing about the dad. It's great that we never yes, see this dad. I agree. We never see him at all or hear from him on the phone, like nothing like that. We j- Just what we hear f- about him from Cameron and Ferris. And Ferris, from and Ferris all, yeah. Uh, which I think helps to just like, the n- not like, God, what is this guy gonna do? Yeah. Uh, but so Ferris offers to take the blame, but Cameron decides he will stand up against his father. Ferris races on foot through the neighborhood to beat his parents home and is nearly hit by Jeannie, who is driving their mother home. Ferris makes it home first, but finds Rooney there. Jeannie discovers Rooney threatening Ferris and thanks Rooney for helping return Ferris from the hospital and displays Rooney's wallet as proof that he was the one that broke into the house. So Rooney gives up. As Rooney flees from Ferris's dog, Ferris rushes back to his bedroom just in time to greet his parents when they check in on him. And as the parents leave, Ferris reminds the audience, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And then, of course, we get this great end credits coda of Rooney, which is also now it's like, wait, so it's six o'clock. They had to be home for the parents. Six o'clock? This bus is dropping these kids off still? Is there this some, like, are some points at which there's after school not... Sh- uh, curriculars or play? Yeah, they, they certainly don't look like uh, the baseball team. They do not. They could be feeder geeks. That's true. I suppose. That's true. You know, they're doing a West Side Story at the school, and this is uh, the entirely white cast of this high school coming home. Uh, I don't know. And then after the credits, a surprise, Ferris tells the audience, the film is, oh, what are you still doing here? It feels so modern. It doesn't feel like a thing that we were doing in the 80s to do that. Uh, But it's also so exactly what you would expect from a character like Ferris Bueller to be like, I am so in control of this film that I'm actually going to appear after the credits. Right. I think it's just now been parodied so much from this movie, which is why it feels so modern because now it's like, this is the thing to do. Oh, of course. Yeah. So the casting directors of Ferris Bueller's day off were Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins, our old pals. Emmy nominees for casting the TV movie, Iron Jawed Angels, Hershenson and Jenkins have together cast previous episodes, the princess bride, Beetlejuice, Jurassic Park, Ghost, Toy Story, and Hook. All of your favorite childhood films and Ghost. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I still very much enjoy, but it was not a childhood. If you watch that in your childhood, uh uh-oh. You had a very sexy childhood. It's just like, I just want to watch this pottery scene. I don't understand why I like this pottery scene. It's like, Mom, I want to make pots for... It's like, really? I want want clay. I want to throw pots. Pots. They just make me feel like I'm a, I'm a man. I feel and whole. I'm, and I'm a woman. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Let's kick it off with Ferris Bueller, Amy Jo, your thoughts on Matthew Broderick, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay, I say this not to be snarky because he is an incredibly talented performer, but having seen Matthew Broderick perform on the American stage 
many times uh, in the last, I don't know, 20 years. It's shocking to go back and watch this just because as he aged, obviously, like his type really shifted in this kind of like sad sack kind of character. Yeah. Which I mean, like two very great effect of stuff like election and Absolutely. then like um, which specifically on Broadway, the producer producers. He was great. Yeah, I saw. So I saw him in the producers. But oh, but this is we were talking about this right after we watched it, that like the idea if you had just watched that movie and said, hey, you know what? In the early 2000s, he will be playing the Felix Unger role on Broadway in The Odd Couple. Like, that. that is kind of the, those, like, super uptight, neat yeah. freak. Well, that, like, in Election, he's kind of the Rooney role to Reese yes. Witherspoon's Ferris Bueller. It's kind of wild Very to different, think not about. exactly a Ferris Bueller, but in terms of him, like, wanting to, like, I gotta take this student yes. down a peg, ups, being obsessed with a student. And, like, yeah. it, it, but not in that kind of way. Um, yeah, it, the fact that he would grow into, like, oh, no, there's soup on my pants. Like, that's <laughs> the guy. The guy that's, like, oh, no, my clothes got dirty. Yes. Is bananas. It, because he is so, it, it's it's almost like I, I had seen him on stage. I've seen him in a couple of other things. And, and that's just not how I see him in my mind anymore. And I hadn't seen this in quite a while, as I said. And so, like, to watch this again and see his charisma and like the intensity the like sparkle behind the eyes not that like, i think in the producers he still was like using a fair bit of that but like so much of what he does now is much more like almost like someone who's a little underwater you know mm. even when he's working really well he's still using that quality you know what i mean and so to see someone who is like so dynamic and like electric kind of shocking you know i, I mean he is the film Yes, the film he's is tremendous. Him. This is completely on his shoulders. There are scenes without him that are being held by Jeannie and Rooney and other members of the cast, but it's not, it isn't really when you're watching the movie, like, when are they going to get back to Ferris Bueller? But whenever he's on screen, he's so dynamic. Yes. Uh, and one of your favorite parts <laughs> is, of course, Ferris playing this clarinet, well, attempting to play this clarinet. So he improvised that. Someone spotted the instrument as part of the set, and Matthew Broderick was like, "Oh, I can play a clarinet here. I'll, I'll do it for this oh shot." My and then he—that was all just his idea. It's so and him funny. Just like, never, never had, had one, one lesson. lesson. <laughs> and just stares right at the camera like, eh? "Uh." So, who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I don't know that this is actually the right person to cast in a film of this, but the person I kept seeing as his role is John Mulaney. Like, I just really kept seeing this kind of like. <laughs> young uh, like yeah young charming stinker you know it's so funny to me because i would peg him as a cameron but it's also like looking back if i'd never seen this movie i and just heard a synopsis i would assume that matthew broderick was the cameron yes. just knowing of how he is today exactly but i i see that kind of like you know the fast talking kind of like hey ha ha kind of john mulaney plus john mulaney's from chicago so maybe that's part of what oh, put it in my go. mind there's, there's, a, kind there's of a certain like impish elfin yes. quality to ferris exactly I thought like a young Neil Patrick Harris. That's kind oh, of Doogie yeah. Howser yeah, in a lot of yeah. ways, you know? I see that. Um, I thought like also a younger Will Smith, like thinking about Fresh Prince era. Yes. Like that's very like in the Buckets pocket. Buckets of charisma. Yes. And then I have some things that are kind of pairs with the Cameron. For instance, I thought like 
a younger, obviously younger, uh, Kieran Culkin as Ferris with Michael Sarah as Cameron. Just I have re- the exact same. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's them and Scott Pilgrim. It's, yes, is it's that, perfect. Yeah. It's delightful. I then have, and this is a very different version, but oh my, I would love to see this as, I don't know that this is exactly Ferris and Cameron. You might swap them around, but like Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang, who host Los Culturistas together. And oh. like Bowen's on SNL. Mm-hmm. Most people know Bowen, but a lot of people would know Matt Rogers from just like being hilarious on the internet, but he's also like one of the hosts on Hot Dog and any number of things. But like they they would be a delight. I was like, I would like to see the gay version of this movie. Like what would that be? And I was like, well, that'd be a good start. I then also thought this is VV different, but I was like, man, I would love to see Nicole Byer as far as like she has that same kind of like really charming and like wild disruptive kind of energy that I feel like would just be brilliant in this. So yeah, those were my main thoughts. I I think it's the kind of part that like you just need someone with a ton of charisma who can pull off. Yeah. Basically just like doing a lot of things. You're like, I don't know if you should be doing that, but you're so charming. I don't care. Yes. But they can't, you know, it's you, when you look at them, I think it's important that you look at Matthew Broderick and you're not like, Oh, He's playing the coolest kid in school. He's not he's like not Charlie Sheen. Or, yes, or like young John Stamos. Imagine someone you're like, what? What no. are you talking about? Like, this is get out of here. But you can understand like everyone in school likes this guy, but in a yes. very different way. Where everyone likes Ferris because he's a real, he's a righteous dude. He's, a, he's righteous. He's a righteous dude. He's hel- he's I, I guess like helpful to people. It's like a, what he just has that innate that certain. That's certain something that he's people kinda, gravitate to. It sounds like he's like a fixer. You know, it's like you got a problem, kinda, Ferris yeah. will figure it out. He's like a wheeler dealer, super, super smart kind of, uh, I can make the connections. I can figure it out. I can, right. whatever you need done, I'll make I'm it happen. a peacemaker. He's never someone that is stirring up. He somehow, despite the fact that it feels like he is, he's not the one that's stir- causing the drama, that he's stirring up trouble. He's always just the one he's trying to mediate, even though he is skipping school and causing all this ruckus. Stealing his friend's dad's Stealing car. his friend's car. But it's supp- supposedly all under the guise of trying to help shake Cameron out of his funk and he also this, like, this just wants to drive a really in. nice car. He does also oh, want to drive a nice car. The thing that I think is really clever is they never, Cameron never drives the car. Like, <laughs> that's true. It's only because Cameron, like, the idea of him driving the car would be like right. too much. Yeah. That would be accepting too much responsibility for what he is like going along with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I also, Karen Culkin, uh, other people, I'm like young Donald Glover, I think. Would I be have him on my longer list. Yes. Uh, Joe Keery, who is Steve on Stranger Things. He, because he also recreated it for a Domino's commercial. They recreated the whole ending of him running through the lawns trying to get home, oh, but with him, with the same like stopping to talk right. to the two women in the bikinis, like almost getting in this. It's Alan Ruck is driving the car instead of the dad. So it's him like Alan Ruck doing the double take. Like, wait, was that? Uh, and then he gets he lands at the feet of instead of Rooney, he lands at the feet of this Domino pizza delivery guy. Uh, but he'd be really good. Uh, Tom Holland, little, little Spider-Man himself. He's someone that's like, oh, he's just so charismatic. He's but he's such he's so cute. It's like that's the thing. He's also got to be. He's very cute. You understand? Like the parents, you buy that the parents are like, oh, this. How do we get this cute little angel? <laughs> um, or yeah, if you wanna, yeah, let's gender flip because who cares? Uh, Alia Shawkat, especially like thinking oh, of her yes. in Arrested Development, where her character is kind of like that. Also, then to Michael Sarah's yes. Cameron, where it's her just like right having to. She invents her own twin at one point in Arrested Development, where who's sick, so people are like raising money for like save 
Seva, who is it? I think Shirley, maybe. Um, she's just like, and she, I mean, she gets a job in Hollywood. She's that kind of person, while it's, it's like a high schooler, that she's just like, do, 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 just skipping through life. Nothing sticks to them. Or Yabini Feldstein, if you're just going to pair, of course, I mean, just, it's hard not to yes. talk about Ferris without also talking about Cameron and getting right. like Beanie Feldstein as Ferris and Caitlin Dever as Cameron mm-hmm. and recreate that dynamic oh, from I would Book love, Smart. One I of the best would love. buddy pairings could, I've again, seen forever. Recast this entire film with Book Smart. And true. then again, have Lisa Very Kudrow true. and Will Arnett as Ferris's parents. <gasps> I mean, it would switch the parent who their parents have. That's have, but true. That's <laughs> I don't true. Care. I don't care. And Jason Sudeikis as Rooney I trying to hunt them down. That's this occurred to me. That's a lot of fun. I like that. I like it. Uh, So John Hughes said that he had Matthew Broderick in mind when he wrote the screenplay, saying that Broderick was the only actor who could pull off the role, calling him clever and charming. And quote, certain guys would have played Ferris and you would have thought, where's my wallet? I had to have that look. That charm had to come through. Jimmy Stewart could have played Ferris at 15. Yes. I needed Matthew, which is so funny. Imagine it like Jimmy Stewart because you feel like yeah matthew broderick grew up into like yeah jimmy stewart's also someone who's like oh dang it dang it i got soup on my pants <laughs> um you, i don't think of jimmy stewart me like oh yeah he's the guy cutting class but you do need that yes guy it's true however broderick thought the film would stereotype him and came close to turning it down but he thought it would stereotype him as an actor who talks directly to the camera because he said quote i thought the script was great and I had a teeny hesitation because having just done the plays Brighton Beach Memoirs yes. and Biloxi Blues, I was like, wow, I'm talking to the audience just like in these plays. And even in Lady Hawk, he talks to the camera a bit. So he almost turned it down because he thought he's like, oh, this is the guy that he can only talk to the camera. But like, what a what a wild reason. I know. Well, he was quite young at the time. And also it, it was, I think, a more stylistic trope for particular. I don't know. You know, it's also just it's like very, it's you don't see it often. No. I get it. I get it. But that's still a little crazy to me. I'm glad that he didn't because uh, yes. he's so good in this. It got him his only, he's Matthew Broderick, never been nominated for an Oscar. I mean, and once again, awards are meaningless. Never been an Oscar nominee, but got a gold, his one Golden Globe nominee for this movie. And I think very rightfully yeah, so. It's iconic. A delight, a delight. Uh, as for the actors who were actually considered, now I'll start with this one. But I've seen in different places that he was up for Ferris and up for Cameron, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, well, who reportedly that makes sense. turned it down for, for, for fear of being typecast because he'd been in all three. Of, this is John Hughes' fourth yes. directorial film, and he was in all three. Yes, exactly. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Weird Science, uh, which I've not seen. Uh, so, but I, I, he's someone that I would assume was actually up for Cameron. But if it's similar, like, once again, like with Matthew Broderick, I would also see more as a Cameron. So, like, maybe it was Anthony Michael Hall well, he's played, as Ferris. He's actually played, like, a variety of of types, you oh, know. Oh, of course. But, Just think of him in Breakfast Club. I mean, he's, when you're pigeonholing him as the nerd in Breakfast right, Club, yes. you know. Right, yes. But then he's also, isn't, he's like a villain in, in quite a few other films, you know. Well, like, later on. Like, Edward right. Scissorhands, I think he, like, really yes, reinvented yes, yes. himself. Like, I'm going to get some muscles, and I'm going to be a real jerk, so I'm not just going to be. It might also just be, like, I don't want to do another teen comedy. I don't want to oh, sure. do another John Hughes teen comedy, or I'll never get hired anywhere else. Right, right. That, to me, makes more sense than I don't want to get pegged to someone who can only direct a dress. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that's what it was. It was like, I, I don't want to do a fourth yeah. John Hughes film when it's, they, when it still feels like it's all in the same world, it's not like John Hughes is like, you know, whatever. Now, now I'm like, a, you'd be, a, you know, a young FBI agent in a, this it's comedy or It's not like DiCaprio whatnot. doing a million Scorsese films. because they're even, all so different. They're so different. And the characters are different. different time periods. Exactly. And, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, Johnny Depp 
said that he was offered the part, oh. but was unavailable. Which he was in eighty six. He was eighty six. He was doing Platoon. So I was about I to say it was probably Platoon. Yeah, but Charlie Sheen's also in Platoon, so I don't know. But it's like one day of filming. I He's not the true. titular character. This is true. This is true. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see Young Johnny Depp. I could Depp, see it. Yeah, kind of. But it's. I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I'm yeah. not crazy about it. Rob Lowe was considered, and I think he's just too beautiful. Yes, man. I would agree. I think that there's just like a little bit of, because like Matthew Broderick is like super cute in this, but there's a, it's like a non-threatening thing. Yes. It's like we just watched the pilot of Pen15, and I think they did such a fantastic job of casting all the young boys that the girls are obsessed with, because they all have that look of like the kinds of popular boys that high school girls really tend to be obsessed with, which is like very like pretty boyish high cheekbones like there's just kind of there's like a softness and a safeness to them it was the genius of casting dicaprio and titanic that's why that's everyone fell in love exactly and, and Ro- right. Ro- romeo and juliet something about the it's just like they're beautiful but they're not like hot like right. they might be hot but it's it's like a particular teenage thing that there's a safety to that and i think that that's a thing that you do get with broderick it's like oh he looks sweet there's a cherubic quality and rob mm-hmm. Lowe is yeah maybe a little too like uh, yeah, a little too attractive. And you're like, I don't know. I feel like uh, you're a little more dangerous. I mean, he was doing in 86, which is wild to me. He was doing the uh, about last night, which was adapted from the mammoth play, sexual perversity in Chicago. See, there so it's you like go. him and Demi Moore. Where it's like, we are singles, like meeting at bars. And it's like, we are grown ups. Like not even like we're in, I'm doing a movie where I'm in college. It's like, I'm doing a movie where I'm a working professional. Yeah. Like getting laid with Demi Moore. Matthew Broderick was not in the brat pack. No, you know, no, no, no. John Cusack was apparently seriously considered. I mean, this was. It, totally it feels like him sense. and Matthew Broderick. I'm sure we're like up for all the same stuff. Like John, Matthew. Okay, who's who, am I in first or are you going into the room first audition or am I, am I reading first? Like, okay, okay. How about, how about, how's the how's your mom? How are your parents? Okay, see you later. God, I hate that Cusack. Oh, stupid Broderick. Keep taking my roles. Um, but yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I. Prefer. I mean, of course. I mean, we got like such a perfect. It's such a perfect yeah. casting. Um, I think it's, but it's, so it kind of has to be the like. If Matthew Broderick was like, you know, no more, no longer will I speak directly to the camera. Then it's on, you know, it's on to us to find who's best to replace him. Yes. Uh, maybe Eric Stoltz, because he was considered, which would have been nice after yeah. getting booted out of Back to the Future. I believe the year before. If he could have gotten Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that'd have been real yeah. cool. No, wait, because cool. in the Back to the Future episode, did we talk about was Michael J. Fox up for this, or was it that Matthew Broderick was up for Back to the Future? I think I had just said that Matthew Broderick I could have seen as Marty McFly. Oh, I, I don't see. think Matthew Broderick was actually up for Marty McFly. I forget everything I as know. soon as I, we finish same, recording. Same. I have uh, a lot more sympathy for podcasters yeah. <laughs> now that I podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. You just say things and whoop out the other side of Year, your head. To, to be years later to be like, oh, you know what? I think I've told the story on the pod before. And it's like, how do you remember that when it was three years ago? Unless you're listening to... I suppose if you're listening to the pod occasionally, your own pod occasionally. I but don't know. I, listener, we don't know. So apologies if we are. Wait, did we already do an episode on Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh what are we gosh. doing here? Uh, no. I think I um, remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, case in point, Tom Cruise was considered, and I just don't see I it. get it, but it's just, he's got too much of a, well, I know that like Ferris Bueller is kind of like, <laughs> I said the, let me find the summary on IMDb because it made me laugh. 
a high school wise guy is determined mm. to have a day off from school despite what the principal thinks of that. It's very inelegant, this IMDb summary. Yeah, so we so we want like really like young Joe Pesci, just like a little wise guy, eh? Uh, hey, hey. Yeah. Um, but but the thing is it's like, yeah, even though he's kind of kind of a wise guy, it's like yeah, Tom Cruise is just the cockiness that no, Tom Cruise. There's a slickness the to Tom slickness. Cruise that I feel yeah, is you don't like not. This, you don't want that slickness. Uh-uh, uh-uh. There's, there's just the, like the little the cuteness to it. It's you that little want, impish quality that you need. You want someone who jumps on a parade float and you're like, oh my gosh, you're totally jumping on a parade float and not like, of course, this egomaniac right. got himself <laughs> on a parade float. Jumping up and down on the parade float, just, you know, with Oprah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but in I'm a- in love with Sloan Peterson. <laughs> I'm in love with exactly. Sloan Peterson. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Uh, in 86, Tom Cruise had the color of money and Top Gun. So I think he better. He did Top Gun in 86? In 86. So I don't better think he needed choice. this. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's not in high school anymore. It's like we're past the point of like all the right moves and risky business. Like that's that's the Tom Cruise version of this is risky business, yes. which is still very, very I watched the Ferris first Bueller. half of it and I was like, that's enough of that. <laughs> so I'm dancing his endies and you were like, okay, movie's over. I thought it was going to be a comedy. And you know mm, what? It's not, not a comedy. No. <laughs> no. And I was like, I'm bored. Adieu. <laughs> Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was considered, and I actually really like that casting because yeah, he is someone a really that, young Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, he was a little cutie patootie when he was young, and I he's can, mischievous. He's, he's, he's he is a little mischievous. A little he's a little Robert Downey Jr. is a little stinker, is what he is. <laughs> uh, and oh, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. The way it works: two of the following actors were up for the role of Ferris, and one was not. And Amy Joe is to guess which is which. Your options are Nicolas Cage, oh, Jim Carrey, and Michael J. Fox. Interesting that I just brought up Michael J. Fox, and I don't know how much you were trying to mislead me. Your face is impassable. Thank You're you. looking at me <laughs> so sternly and serenely at the same time. It's a gift. What can I say? Dang, Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick are the same age. That's wild to me. That is. I I write down the year that people were born next to the character, so I was just able to consult right, with my Truman right. Show notes, and they were both born in 62. Yes, Jim Bro- Carrey yes Broderick just was, I believe, like, 23 at the time of filming. But it feels like Jim Carrey is a good 10 years younger than Matthew Broderick, maybe because also he just, like, in the 90s just seemed so young, but I guess he was early 30s. Yeah, I mean, it's not that far of, you know, 86 to, I mean, 86 to 94. Sure. Yeah. Eight years, but still like eight years later, he's still, he's not, he didn't come, he didn't come to prominence with playing like a high school or a college guy. It's like dumb and dumber, the mask and uh, Ace Ventura is like, he is a good grown up still. You know what it is too? It's that like when Ferris Bueller came out, I was a literal like toddler. Hmm. So then when those Jim Carrey movies came out, even if I was too young to see some of them in theaters, like I was aware of them because I was like a person, you know? So that yeah. feels like a bigger gap than oh, it actually course. is. Okay. So we've got Nicolas Cage. We've got Michael J. Fox and we've got Jim Carrey. I was like, who's the other one? I'm going to go Jim Carrey. I just don't think he was on the scene yet. I'm sorry. Incorrect. <gasps> Michael J. Fox. Also incorrect. As far as I could tell, Nicolas Cage was not considered. See, you tried to fool me just <laughs> moments ago with Michael J. Fox. I just said Nicolas Cage. What on earth did Nicolas Cage be doing in this stupid... Luckily, as always, you win nothing if you guess right, and you lose nothing when you guess wrong. Just my dignity. Well, 
There is that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nicolas Cage, not up for it, but Jim Carrey and Michael J. Fox were. Jim Carrey instead in 86 had Peggy Sue got married. I think oh, he's got a smaller role. Right. I forgot. Yeah. The year before was Once Bitten, which was, I think, like his first, like mm. the biggest, like leading thing he'd done, which was still like not that big, but where he's like, I believe a virgin who this female vamp this woman lady vampires want needs needs a virgin sacrifice so he's just like oh the only thing i've seen is this amazing like song and dance number of a hands off where his like love interest is trying to like pull him away from this like vixen vampire as jim carrey's like being like glamored by the vampire and then shaking out of it to like dance with the girlfriend but going like i think i have just he's going like back and forth and back and forth and you're getting the first glimpses of like oh this guy is an amazing physical comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Jim Carrey would actually be really good in this. Yeah, he'd be especially really young, like mop-headed Jim Carrey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I never would have thought of until, like, re-watching Ferris Bueller and just seeing the way he goes through. You're like, yeah, nothing sticks to Jim Carrey. Like, the early Jim Carrey, like, he's able to get away with, like, so much. Totally, and I think Michael J. Fox is still a good would be great choice as well i think would be fantastic i mean as we saw in back to the future it's like similar you just like kind of dial it to a slightly different uh frequency that's exactly. the metaphor well and he's then, not the one that yeah michael j because yeah marty mcfly is just so it's like i don't have a car i don't have like i'm not in the band like everything nothing's going yeah. right for me yet you know whereas yeah. with ferris it's like things will go right because i simply will it into existence mm-hmm. uh but even though i i still don't have a car <laughs> Right, I've got to envy your piece of piece of shit. Yeah, I don't have a piece of crap. I got to envy your piece of crap. Uh, but let's move on to Jeannie. So, Amy Joe, your thoughts on Jennifer Grey, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Love Jennifer Grey. Think she's so great. It, this is a tricky part. You're yeah. basically just glowering the whole time, <laughs> but you still have to be funny. Like you are in a state of fury at you know it's it's a hard part to not come across as really wet blankety yes yeah. or or like sour you know yeah. yeah and i think she still manages to be funny and like um yeah i think she's really delightful and then to watch her get so like <laughs> at the end is like really really charming you and to know? see her be on, just to help out ferris at the end when she just yes. like gives that wink to him where it's like thank you for driving him home to the hospital and that look that matthew broderick does like to the camera like what and then back to like her so back to rooney is like whoa it looks like i got out of another scrape um but she plays i think she plays all of those those turns so well mm-hmm. and uh is not just like yeah i mean when we whenever we cut to her it's still so funny and I'm still on her side. That's why it juggles yes. it so well that I'm still, yes. you know, you're not on Rooney's side, but you are on Genie's because you understand that he is a grown man and a psychopath who is breaking into a home mm-hmm. and pegging dogs on the heads with, with, with lilies. And she is just frustrated by, you know, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Well, it's also like very classic sibling relationships. Yeah. I didn't understand until, mm, like sometime in elementary school that like most sibling units did not get along as well as Aaron and I did. And mm. I think part of that is because Aaron and I are extremely similar, have all the same interests and like, I don't know, we just like are easygoing enough with one another. We get along really well. Whereas like most of my other friend, you know, sets were like very combative, you sure. know? And so this feels like also just like, we understand that, you know, that contentiousness, um, especially when they're like really close in age like that. I don't have a ton of other thoughts. My first thought for like, you know, a couple, a few years ago would be Aubrey Plaza as just someone who is mm. really good at mm-hmm. being 
angry, you know, <laughs> and just like playing that glowering, but you're still like obsessed with her. Yeah. Like I just I love that. her. And then another thought that I had was Winona, uh, Winona oh, Ryder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause she also, I mean, clearly like, you know, she, she oh, not, not Winona Judd, Winona Ryder. <laughs> you know, I know Winona Judd would be almost perfect. Um, but I meant Winona Ryder. She'd be great. Um, yeah. Very obviously like, this is the pocket of, of like the kind of like films that she also really excelled in when she was younger. But yeah. it's it's also just like, yeah, that acerbic quality. It's just like what she was so good at. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be great to me. The like the quality that I most want in this character when trying to cast someone else. Uh, and also like so much of these, like I have a, such a hard time thinking of anyone at the time. So I, my thoughts are always like, if this movie hadn't been made in 86, mm-hmm. if this was like a lost John Hughes script that got made in like the late nineties or the, the mid to late aughts. Um, I could see a young Anna Kendrick. I, I did think of Anna Kendrick I, I as see well. More just thinking of, Scott Pilgrim, which she's genie is not. I could, but I see that like really like uptight straight yes. laced, um, but Sheenie isn't. It's just like you could see the world where she's like, I could be out having fun, but I'm not allowed. That's not yeah. how my world works. Where it's like opposed to someone who's like, I'm just the rule follower. And like, I would I would never do this on my own free will. So it's not you're not seeing Jeannie being like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to cut class. She's just like, I'm cutting class because I'm going to catch Ferris. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Anna Kendrick or Melissa Fumero, uh, who's probably best known as Amy Santiago on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Someone who's also like, yes. so like, I can't be disappointing any my any superior uh and so like you know and i guess actually a young andy samberg i could see as a ferris bueller oh, type it is like such that's a like very what he does such a stinker it's just like i'm like a big overgrown child i mean now he kind of just does especially on brooklyn i nine and palm springs is like if ferris bueller just never grew up and yes. you're like oh guy, development this is uh yeah. this is not a good look my guy when you're nearing 40 you gotta grow up my guy stephanie beatrice actually would be a fun genie as oh, well sure yeah i mean a different quality you know but, but just also, that same kind yeah. of like i'm angry at everything is also great i yeah. have a soul but you don't get to see it yeah. <laughs> uh apparently his first choice was linda blair well it's very difficult when for me, when I know her almost exclusively from The Exorcist. Well, you're not the only one. I know, but what a way to get pigeonholed when it's like to cast like, ooh, well, I think she'd be good. But, uh, you know, this role doesn't get possessed by the devil at any point. So I don't, is that okay? You don't have to like vomit up You're not vomiting up pea soup anywhere. Uh, You're not, your head's not going, well, I don't know. Your special skills are your head can turn 360. (laughs) Just a full uh, rotation. doesn't do that. So it might be a waste of your talent. (laughs) Um, Right. Uh, Deborah Winger was considered, which I actually could see. I think Mm -hmm. would be, would be really, would have been good. Uh, And Kim Basinger was considered, but she was filming nine and a half weeks she was 32 years old at this time, which feels, you know, if you're, you were busy <laughs> having sex in an alley with Mickey Rourke in the film that you did <laughs> that came out this year. So that feels like to imagine if she'd been able to shoot both, like what a weird, it's a double feature, like nine and a half weeks. And then to watch Ferris Bueller is like, ah, Ooh, wait, no, ooh, what? Ooh, is, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we talking what about? What do you talk? What do you talk? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but Jennifer Grey, I think, is a delight. Yeah. She's so good in this. Uh, but let's keep it going with Cameron. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Alan Ruck, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? And you've said a few of your people, Michael Sarah, and uh, and whatnot. I think he's so funny. He's delightful. I used to be, like, so obsessed with this performance, more so than Matthew Broderick's when I was younger. I think also, like, now looking back, seeing, like, what... 
charisma it actually took to to play you know uh ferris obviously but like i just thought he was so funny when i was younger and now watching it's like yeah he's like so so charming it's very funny this role on paper i would not have thought of alan rock for watching it i'm like this is not who i would have thought to cast i would be thinking someone much more uptight you Mm. know i mean rather than like the uptightness manifesting as this sort of like inertia you know um but i think he's he's really wonderful um i yes i i still think bo and yang would be hilarious in this part and 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 yes michael Sarah. um my other thought which is very very out there would be like a younger darcy garden i could just see her as a sort of like intense and kind of uh yeah yeah intense and like i dig that i don't i don't the dread the dread (laughs) just my life is dread um but still being so charming and buoyant. Like, cause right. that's the thing about his performance is it has such lightness to it while being so like dark and, and, and down, like everything should be like gliding down, but it like, yeah. it is so, I um, think it'd be, this film up. could very easily take a more serious turn. At the well, end. Like it does, yes. but like to even more so of like, if you were to know that he was like really contemplating suicide, cause yeah. we get like the hints of it, of this, like him, just f- falling into falling the into the pool and like Ferris and a really deep pool for that matter to pull him out and then he's just like Ferris Bueller you're my hero so mm-hmm. you're like okay now we're just having very fun Jim but Carrie line reading was there any moment of that that was actually it, it's it's very much a cry for help if not yes. anything serious about it is still like he is really really going through it yeah. um what I love about him is that it's such a weird performance so many great weirdo moments of him yes. in the car by himself being like uh, like i'm not gonna go like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go gonna i'm gonna go calling me and him just, just just stomping on the ground behind the car like all these like little things his like weird like mouth gestures that he does of this like jaw the, the jaw acting mm-hmm. that he has throughout uh and of course him as mr peterson on the phone is, classic it's a delight and we're gonna talk about this mister um i think it's just so good uh did you have any other options or no not really cool. i mean there i also feel like a lot of people who could do ferris could also do cameron you know it's just yeah. a different color yeah you know absolutely yeah i think alan rock is so good in this and i'm because i mainly know him from spin city where he's just a real like sleazy misogynist mm-hmm. ner- like nerdy misogynist type so it's like so it's hilarious uh question mark uh and like speed where he's the guy on the bus that just like no one wants to talk to because he's the tourist is like we're at the airport like i've already seen the airport that he's just like a kind of a dope but i think he's he's so good in this it really is i think one of the trickiest roles in the film uh and i think as many of the actors do he nails it but i could also see once again just pairing with my ferris so if you got tom holland as ferris jacob berlanti who is ned in the spider-man films pair them together or if you got baby uh, Donald Glover, get baby Danny Putty as as Cameron. Oh, because uh, they've got like yes, they have some of the most delightful buddy chemistry on Community. Uh, so if this was made in like whatever, this is made in the mid aughts. That's what I'd want. Yeah, that would be. I would definitely enjoy that. Yeah. So this worked out well because Alan Ruck and Broderick were both in Biloxi Blues on Broadway, yes, so they were re- already friends. I remember finding out about that years later when I like went through my extremely thorough Neil Simon phase and seeing that, and I was like, "But oh my gosh, it's <laughs> it's Cameron Ferris. Cameron Ferris, go to the army." But <laughs> 
they're on Broadway together. Oh, like my actor geek heart yeah. like exploded. Uh, so according to Alan Ruck, the role of Cameron had originally been offered to Emilio Estevez, who turned it down. And he said, every time I see Emilio, I want to kiss him. Thank you. <laughs> not a, not a, no, I don't like it. I like Emilio Estevez. I don't like Emilio Estevez in that part. Yeah, it's a strange, I could kind of see, he seems like a little bit of an in-between, between, between yes. Ferris, between Cameron, and between, between Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen, who I think is just credited as like teen in station or something. Yeah, uh, yeah he's like somewhere in, in between those. And instead, in 1986, Emilio Estevez uh, had Maximum Overdrive, Oh, boy. Stephen King's sole directorial effort. Which, unfortunately, we rewatched recently. Where a bunch of trucks and vending machines and machines, machines come alive. Come and uh, Mrs. kills a truck with a rocket launcher. And that's. I'm imagining that guy doing this. Sure. Um, and he had this movie, Wisdom, which was his directorial debut that was a huge critical and commercial bomb, which was. Uh, the little log line is unable to find work after a past felony. John Wisdom and his girlfriend embark on a cross country bank robbing spree in order to aid American farmers. So he had a 1986 <laughs> version of Bonnie and Clyde, I guess, uh, hey. that did not work out for him and neither did Maximum Overdrive. So that was a big goof, my guy. <laughs> he should have <laughs> shouldn't have turned down Ferris Bueller. Uh, and very, very strange to me, but apparently John Candy auditioned and was turned down for being too old and this is 1986 so this is the year of little shop of horrors which is what he was doing so that's like the age that john candy was what little shop of horrors age i don't know i don't know i do think a younger john candy actually would be really sure fun in this but absolutely not not the era where he's playing the radio announcer in little shop of horrors looking like a full man I know. I'm a senior in high school 15 I, years ago. I know. I know. I don't get it. I do not get it. But I think it all worked out for the best with John Candy in Little Shop of Fires and uh, Alan Ruck in this. Weird. Uh, so let's keep it going with Saloon. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Mia Sarah and not uh, <laughs> Natasha McMacklehone from Truman Show as uh, you Look, th- thought. They have very similar hair they do. and eyes. And both of their roles are horrifyingly underwritten. This is very true. So there was a lot a to lot get confused. To compare. A lot, to, yeah. However, Mia Sarah is wearing a great jacket. She's got that fringe jacket. I think she she does a great job. She just doesn't. It's it is in a movie where so many things are so well thought out. It's like why don't we know anything about her? Why should she be the third point of this triangle? And yet we know legit nothing about her we know nothing about her actual family not you know not that we need to know much but something anything oh, that's like, how it is in their family yes like just like it really yeah. not cool jokes about like ugh. anyway and then also another point against rooney braining dogs with flower pots but also if he thinks that this dad and high school daughter are making out and he doesn't you're do not anything concerned about, well, about he's being played by jeffrey jones yikes so. he's probably just giving the thumbs up he's like Huh, interesting. File that away for yikes. later. Uh, um, but yeah, like I just the the that at the end when she and Cameron are having like a little heart to heart, and he's like, I still don't know what I'm gonna do. And she's like, Me either. That's the most we learn about her. Yeah. Other than like she makes out with Ferris. And she seems to be down to marry Ferris. It's like where their arc comes of the day, but it's not like if she was like really like 
had a really strong point of view one or the other if she was like i just don't think so and then he convinced her at the end she's like you know what maybe i will marry ferris and maybe it's that's who i want it doesn't matter that like you know we're, i'm gonna go off to college and of course i'll experience more life and probably we'll get divorced because we shouldn't get married when we're seniors in high school but you know what maybe i will if, maybe but if, I if for the rest of the film she was like no like ferris like we're gonna go our separate ways like yeah have a you know he could be juggling like having to cheer up cameron and also like having to which i think it is a little bit there because she they have the scene before he starts running through all the lawns to get home where she's like like you knew what, what you, you were going to do when you woke up like, today. when you woke up today. And it's like, oh, I don't know what you mean that it was also to kind of like give her this last great day to be like, For how sure. can you say goodbye to me? To I'm jumping space. into parades who every day is an adventure with Ferris Bueller until yeah. I'm 40. And that doesn't look fun anymore. And you're just like, please, can you just watch our kids? Why you are you, why are you still lip syncing in parades? <laughs> why are you lip syncing when there's a full band actually playing? How is I this just, happening? I just want you to change one diaper, Ferris. That is all <laughs> I'm asking for. I don't need to turn on the Macy's Day Parade and for you to be having like, I love Sloan banners as you're like swinging from a Spider-Man This is float. an empty gesture, <laughs> Ferris. <laughs> oh, anyway, so like all that in mind, um, I think she does a totally fine job. She's just not, she's, she does a good job. Like she's definitely oh, yeah. like, you remember her. It's it's just like you look at like the the trio like the Harry Potter trio and it's like Hermione's got an agenda you know like yeah. she could she could not know what she wants to do and I could still know something that right. she likes anyway I've said it I've said it she you get I it. mean she would not be a good Sloane but uh, Emma Watson, Watson as Jeannie with Daniel Radcliffe as Ferris and Ron. Uh, what's his face ron the uh, rupert rupert grinned rupert as cameron grinned. is like it's not terrible and yeah. then and Al, alan rickman is rooney oh, alan rickman my just like <laughs> rupert grinds actually he, a really good been choice sick for cameron. nine times not i'm looking nine nine, nine times what's the secretary's name grace great her first name grace 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 <laughs> <laughs> i think it works um so anyway i have thoughts for sloan but mainly what i have written in all caps is horrifyingly underwritten and that's my main thing um i thought a young carrie ann moss would be interesting she's also oh. someone who i feel like if you're gonna have someone who we don't know much about having someone who just like brings a certain level of mysterious intensity would it let us sense. know there's stuff going on there we don't yeah. know about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not that that's vital with this part but again be nice to know this could be also like a potential winona writer type uh spot but sure. if you had her you would give her more to do well yeah um one would hope one would hope and then um i found out that the same age as mia sarah are both laura dern and lisa bonet either oh, of whom i think oh, would be really interesting on. yeah that would be yeah she was very young she's only 18 yeah she's the only one who's actually actually a teenager yeah apparently john hughes like assumed that he would need someone who was older because he wanted them to be having like that kind of like just that level of cool yeah like this like she's very cool. elegance she yeah. is but so it's kind of shocking that she's like coming in at 18 being like with this level of like th with the air that she's able to like put on mm -hmm. uh, apparently he like fell out of, almost fell out of the chair when she was like oh i'm only 18 when he was, he was like this is like this is what we need someone who can like come in and kind of look the part even though they're coming in with years more of experience of like world experience and it's like nah i'm a baby <laughs> i'm just good at acting ever heard of it ever heard of it and yeah i was like it, because it's such an underwritten role i was just like let me just complete get you're getting tom holland as ferris and jacob Berlin. As uh, 
as Cameron, uh, Laura Harrier, who's the love interest in uh, that first that Spider-Man Homecoming. And she's also the female lead in Black Klansman is like probably oh. the two biggest things that she's known for, I think, at this she's point. Great. Uh, and yeah, she's great. And she because in Spider-Man Homecoming, she also doesn't have a ton to do, but she's so good in Black Klansman that I'm like, oh, OK, she wh- I, whatever. Give her, you know, stuff to do, stuff to do, give her stuff to do. Uh, apparently the one other person that was up for Sloan was Molly Ringwald. Unsurprising. But if it had been Molly Ringwald, she would have had more to do. Yeah. But uh, might have thrown the balance of the movie off a bit, having someone who was like a bigger name, you know? Yeah. According to Ringwald, she said that John Hughes wouldn't let her do it because the part wasn't big enough for her. According to John Hughes, he said it was because Mia Sarah had more elegance. So... It could, it could it also could be, be both, you know? It could be both. It also could be he told her one thing. Right. But he went with an actor that had more of the essence of what he needed. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're casting Molly Ringwald, you know that her agent or whomever is going to be advocating for her to have a little more to do. Yeah. It's just you're going to have to do some rewrites. It's, and it's like if you're an audience member, you're kind of waiting for her to have a big moment, which right. she never does. No. It's funny because I think she'd actually be better as Jeannie. Oh, I could actually, yes. I think she'd actually be really good be as, great Jeannie, as Jeannie of that kind of like snot, like fun, fun snotty energy where you can be snotty, yes. but we still like you as the audience. We're not just like, ugh, this sister is just a big bummer. We're just like still on her side. And it feels like more of a feature because she has more of a personality. Yeah. So. Instead in 86, she was doing pretty in pink. So there, there go. you go. You, you know, have you be the lead of the film and not fourth build mm-hmm. uh yeah no 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 the better much better choice of molly ringwald and pretty in pink than in as sloan or genie probably but uh that's where i'd rather she be is genie uh, but let's move on to rooney and Joe, your thoughts on jeffrey jones performance in this film not, oh, jeffrey, not jones jeffrey jones as a person, person? Uh, <laughs> some thoughts, who, listener. if you've got him well, you can share him but uh and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else he's great in this movie and it sucks that he um was a real yeah. uh dirt bag um because um he's really good and it's like really upsetting when it's like your shitty behavior has now colored like these performances which is like also like you ruining other people's lives is a lot more important than how i perceive this film but it's also just like come on man like you're really good and you have to go and absolutely like ruin a lot of things for a lot of people so that being said um my first thought was nick offerman okay who who you know is not like this kind of of zany scheming thing, but he always is playing someone with like a gruff intensity. I feel yeah. like I could see that w- color working nicely on him. And then this would be so so different. This is this is probably totally wrong, but I'm like, you know what? I'd still like to see it. It's Jason Mansukis. I'm more picturing the second half of the film with him, like, and the dog, and like him doing sure. bits around this house he's trying to break yeah. into, yeah. more so than being in the office. But I don't know. I think it'd be funny. Sure, I guess I could see that. That is, he's just such wild, wild clown energy. I mean, really, to me, it's you'd Paul Shear. Sure, oh, but, and I don't want Paul Shear. But I'm thinking but just of like, like Jason Mansukis. I'm thinking of him in like sleeping with other people. You know, he he can do something more pulled back when required. Yeah, pulled you know? pull back short. Watch I, I him unravel yeah. over the course of the movie. He's someone who can get to oh, of, a point. Of, of course, but obvious. it's still different from the rigid straight clown, straight man, straight clown. 
you know? Sure. Uh, I get what you're, I absolutely hear what you're saying though. And he's such a funny person that he's going to do whatever he's doing. He can bring the funny. Uh, I, I just kept thinking of other people where it's like, yeah, the people that the more they get dirty, the more that they're losing their shoes or getting attacked by dogs, the funnier it is. A John Cleese type situation. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, Kelsey Grammer, that to me, someone Mm -hmm. that is funny to see them just constantly shown up by a teenager and like that to be, I think it'd be so funny. I would see like a Richard Dreyfuss, I think it'd be really good or just get, get one of the funniest people ever get Phil Hartman, Phil Hartman of just being, trying to like go through all these charades and (laughs) shenanigans. Speaking of Third Rock from the Sun, this is a good John Lithgow part. Oh, Yes. Very, absolutely mm-hmm. great john lithgow part i john lithgow getting you know chased by a rottweiler i'm laughing uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i think it'd be great uh, so so he jeffrey jones was cast as rooney based on his performance in amadeus where he played the emperor mm-hmm. john hughes said that he thought that the character's modern equivalent would be rooney and so the two actors that were up for rooney as well paul gleason who's vernon in the breakfast club so he's okay. like the, the adult yeah. in charge there and tom scarrett was considered old captain dallas from huh. allion uh which are they seem both much the thing with that's great about getting a jeffrey jones type in this film is that such an ineffectualness i mean he you almost, long for his come up you really do but like paul gleason and tom scarrett have such a more of like the feel like blue collar like boots on the ground yes. jeffrey that's what it is it's that jeffrey jones like white collar like kind of snooty snooty energy snooty mm-hmm. snotty uh <laughs> yeah in the musical version of this the guy who's the mater d is absolutely understudying the uh the principal oh, the, the, of the rooney role yes a- absolutely that's he, how that and he's going tracks. on on the way he gets the wednesday matinees yes uh, yes and he's yeah. thrilled to have them right uh but so tom scarrett had a very busy 1986 he had all in this one year, an episode of this show, Hitchhiker, the movie Space Camp, where Leah Thompson and Joaquin Phoenix accidentally get launched into orbit. Wow. The Parent Trap 2, with Haley Mills reprising her roles from The Parent Trap, an episode of The Twilight Zone, an episode of a show called Danger Bay, a TV movie with Jill Clayburgh called Miles to Go, Top Gun, and Wisdom with Emilio Estevez. Wow, wow, wow. That's so much. The guy was hustling. The guy did not have the time. Uh, so I'm sure he, it was like, whatever. He's like, I don't need, I got, I got. I'm doing Danger Bay, AP, baby. I'm doing, I'm Danger Bay. I, I got my Danger Bay pay, buddy. Uh, so he. Oh, Danger Bay, B-A-E is actually like, that, that'd be a fun contemporary. Danger Bay. Oh, it's my Danger Bay. That. That's Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is Danger Bay. Danger Bay. Oh. Yeah. Hashtag Danger Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, who's your danger bay? Right, right in. Who's your <laughs> danger bay? Uh, so those are all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters we did not mention, so I want to briefly touch on them. We've got Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, who played Ferris's parents. I think they're both great. They apparently got married in real life after filming this movie and then divorced in 1992. So at least at the time, that's a real sweet story it that they is. met and got married. So we could just imagine that it's 1991 listeners and love will live forever. Uh, <laughs> it's like, like Ferris and Sloan. Like, I'm sure they'll get married. Uh, we've got Ben Stein, who was had a degree in economics. So John Hughes just told him to present an actual economics hey, lecture. Hey, remember when you could win Ben Stein's money? That ran for, I feel like that ran for so long. 
We have Del Close I as know. the English teacher, creator of the Herald of uh, which is an improv, imp- a long form improv, very famous, very well known. Yeah, all all the founders of UCB of Amy Poehler so and Matt him, Walsh yeah. and all them. Yes, yeah, cited him as like a huge influence and into improvisational comedy in general. So that was cool to see him in this in this yeah. teeny tiny role. In what way? <laughs> it's great. It's very funny. Yeah, uh, and we've got Charlie Sheen, which, as we said, it's this is some grade A this Danger is Bay. This is grade A Danger, Danger Bay. Bay. Uh, to produce the desired drug out effect for his role, he stayed awake for more than 48 hours before this scene was shot. Lawrence Olivier just popped into set that day to just go try acting. Uh, yeah, although Charlie Sheen said a few years later that watching his one scene in this movie made him want to punch himself in the mouth, so... Hey, well, I think the effect was achieved. Charlie Sheen, you got to watch this movie every day. (laughs) I think you need a dose of your own medicine. Of course he stayed up for 48 hours. What? I won't finish my hey, sentence. You know, you know, if that works, he he's good that's in the true. movie. No, that's very so true. If that was it's what he had like, to do because he knew he couldn't bring it with his acting I suppose skills. that's true. And I know that I'm someone who overdoes my acting. I get that. So maybe I need to be doing more of that. But I also come from the theater where I want the thing to be repeatable. Of course. But on film, you just got to no, get you're the right. Here's my thing. If it's not bo- if it's not affecting your scene partners, then it's fine. But if you're, if you to get like, into character, you've got to, you know, be Jared Leto's the Joker and be mailing. Although now I've heard that might not be true, like that he's mailing rats to his co-stars. There's all kinds of rigmarole. I don't know of what actually is real or not. But true. the point is, you don't need to be. Let's like Dustin Hoffman, like, oh, Meryl Streep. I don't know if Meryl Streep's got what it takes for Kramer versus Kramer. How about I uh, slap her in the scene? Or how about I throw a glass at the wall next to her head? Yeah. Because that, that'll help her and me. It's like, no, how about you uh, jump, take a, take a long walk off a short cliff? Yeah, you that a-hole. is not um, But if your stuff is good. just for you, if That's you're true. just staying awake for 48 hours, and if you are not, if then you're not showing up to set and being like, I don't know my lines now because I am That's what I mean. It's like, was he a total like absolute drag on I don't know it's just whatever know. you know what you're right I need know. to get off this high horse what am I doing I'm not good at riding horses <laughs> I get down from there ah! uh well uh you know but you know, I get it I get it I, I I get a little you know I get I get a little snooty snotty about that Snotty. as well because it is like try acting but you know to an extent <laughs> to an extent you know what am i gonna tell daniel day lewis that daniel day lewis is like the king of that i can't get out of this wheelchair you're gonna have to i'm gonna need these crew members to carry me in my wheelchair up these stairs because there's no ramp it is part of the reason why i find kevin klein and soap dish so funny because <laughs> it's like the stage manager clearly having worked with a number of method actors and calling them by the character name he's like anderson anderson <laughs> Like, I am acting. Just let me do it. Yeah, but like like that. Stuff like that where it's like if you gotta be referred to by the character name, but that's to help you stay in character, or you gotta stay in di- in, in the voice. That I if do. If you're staying understand. in the dialect. Yeah. Um, like I think like Renee Zellweger had was staying in the British dialect for and, um, Bridget Jones Diary, and, stuff uh, like, like that. Brad Dorif did it on on set for uh, oh, uh Lord it? of the Rings. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Because he's oh. doing it. Uh, but I get it also because you're on set with like people who are really that, and you're like, I, it's just too hard for my mouth to go back and forth and do that. I I, right. I do understand. There's just a certain level of I think I might be bringing some of my more contemporary knowledge of Charlie Sheen into my judgment of this particular moment, which yeah. might be unfair, there was but a, I don't know. There was a particularly snarky uh, IMDb trivia for Ferris Bueller that mentioned, you know, that he 
stayed awake for 48 hours for this, but he decided that he did not need to do that to stay awake for 48 hours when he reprised his role in an episode of The Goldbergs, which I guess... Cause that's, you know, it's set in the eighties and I like, they have like Robert England reprising Freddy Krueger in the sitcom. Cause this sitcom is now running for like a decade. So uh-huh. they're like, who else can we shoehorn in? So I guess they had Charlie Sheen. I don't know. Maybe he's still in jail. I haven't watched this clip, but maybe he's still just like, they run into him at jail. Like, what are you in here for? Like drugs. But he didn't feel the need to stay awake for 48 hours for that time. It's like, of course not. He, par- he didn't even know what he was doing. I'm sure he's reading his lines of a teleprompter. <laughs> he, they filmed, look up, listener. Look up the show Anger Management online. This is a show that actually existed. It ran for two seasons. It was an adaptation of the Adam Sandler, Jack Nicholson movie that Charlie Sheen did with, I believe, Selma Blair that only had two seasons, but has, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, over 100 episodes. What? Because they just wanted to shoot. They wanted to make as many episodes as possible so it could get syndication so that then they got the syndication money so they can run it on FX forever all these uh uh reruns and that they're lining their pockets that they're just like we don't care what we're doing i can't imagine how bad those scripts must be to be churning out over the course of two years to churn out 100 episodes of anger management starring charlie shooting an episode a week and and most shows have a much longer hiatus so you can like I don't know, right. Every eight break. episodes must be a clip show of the previous eight episodes. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Um, but let's stop talking about Charlie. That sounds like a good idea <laughs> for our blood pressure. Yes. Uh, so after working together on Weird Science, John Hughes offered Bill Paxton the role of the garage attendant who takes the Ferrari for a I see ride. it. I see that for Bill Paxton. But Paxton turned it down because he felt the role was too small. But he admitted that he regretted turning it down because Hughes never offered him a role again. Mm. Which I, you know, it's that's a tough uh, choice. I forgot to look up of when, because 86, I feel like this is around the time of Aliens. So, yeah. you know. Bill Paxton didn't need a, the friendship with John Hughes. He got a friendship with James Cameron. And then he was like, I'm just going to do Aliens and True Lies. And I'm going to be good. Titanic. And- I'm going to be good. I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to be just fine. Um, but I love Bill. I loved Bill Paxton. Oh, I was yeah. very sad when he passed. Um, and I think he'd be very funny as the garage attendant. I agree. Uh, and then we got Edie McClurg as the M- secretary. V. P- so good M- v- she she P- ad-libbed the line he's a righteous dude was not in the original script that's like a trailer moment yeah and especially she just like knew to lean in with oh. that chicago accent she's one of the things i thought that this movie did really well with most of the actors is like they're all doing a very light chicago accent like no one's hitting it too hard but they're all doing like the slightly more open like lot kind of thing but not too extreme right but it was nice because also knowing that most of these actors, like I, th- I think Broderick and Mia Sara and maybe also Alan Ruck were all born in New York City. Mm. Like, so uh, they're all coming with like a much more East Coast sound. But I think yeah. they do it very convincingly. But it's just just a hint, just a touch. Appreciated it. But yes, she's a character actor extraordinaire. Oh, it's a delight. I could have seen approximately 55 more minutes of just her in this movie i couldn't agree more it's so good uh she had told vanity fair magazine that her character's hairdo should be from the 1960s because grace felt she looked best in the 1960s and kept her look from that era so when she arrived on the set john hughes looked at her hairstyle and the first thing he said was how many pencils do you think you can fit in that hair so they tested it with like the one pencil the two the three and then the fourth one fell out which is why her or the first time you see her it's her just plucking pencil after pencil out of her hair which is 
so, so funny. Screamingly funny. Uh, she also improvised her impersonating Rooney on the phone to Cameron impersonating Sloan's father. That, that, I, I'll just do it again. Like, oh, 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 when I just got when like she's just like looking at him all confused and him just be like it's Ferris Bueller on the phone like I'm go oh, I'm like I'm gonna get him she's like oh like okay uh it's so good she's so funny she really is like my I think it's my favorite performance in the oh, film because she's pitch it's perfect a like comedy machine in yes. this film yes I just loved it uh so final thoughts uh any last things we didn't touch on I want to shout out the uh, the nurse who comes to get Sloane who um who tells her her grandmother is dead and everything. We're watching it. I was like, this woman is incredible. Like the warmth and the, just like in this very brief scene, she makes such an impression. So I looked her up. Her name is Virginia Capers and she won a Tony in 1974 for a musical version of Raisin in the Sun. Good for her. Good for her. Good but for I was Virginia like, Capers. I was like, also, that great name. Track. Virginia Capers. It was a Virginia Capers, see? Um, <laughs> Virginia Capers? Yes. And she's also on Fresh Prince. But I, it was oh. just one of those things where I was like, this actor is tremendous. Who are who are they? I was like, oh, she's from the theater, darling. <laughs> That's why she can bring the gravitas she sure of can. the theater. Oh, also, there was a sign. This just struck me as funny. There was a sign in the police station. It was like, wanted by the FBI. And the name was Ruth Wilson. And it just made, made me laugh, thinking of like the actress Ruth Wilson being wanted by the <laughs> FBI. Which clearly it wasn't, but I'm not going to not think about that now. Um, and I think that's it. I'm just looking at my notes. And one of them is, what is Sloan's deal? <laughs> um, which I have expounded Sloan, upon. what is your what deal? What's your deal? And we're back on what's the deal, Sloan? Uh, I'll end with this. They had floated the idea of a sequel for years with Ferris in college or Ferris like on a, a job and I guess taking the day off from work at his job. But the idea was dropped and Matthew Broderick felt that the film did not need a sequel, that it was about a specific time and place that we'd all like to revisit and didn't need updating. But there was a short-lived TV adaptation oh, that right. ran for 13 episodes from 1990 to 1991, starring Charlie Schlattler of Diagnosis Murder as Ferris oh. and Jennifer Aniston as <gasps> Jeannie. Oh, baby Rachel oh, as the sister. Wow, wowie wow. Yeah. And so they never did a, an official sequel, but Ferris Bueller did make a cameo as one of the people offering up potential baby names in 1988's She's Having a Baby. Oy, oy, oy. It all comes <laughs> back to She's Having a Baby. Every time. Amy Joe. Yes, Jeff. What are you recommending this week? I am recommending the television show Nora from Queens. It's the Aquafina uh, vehicle. It is very silly, very funny. Speak talking about Bo and Yang. Oh, talking about Bo and Yang. Oh my gosh, yes. Bo and Yang and then BD Wong oh, doing Wong. doing like hetero drag. So <laughs> I've just I've never you've never seen them like this. And it's, it's so good. It's great. They're all it's so funny. It's such a great ensemble. Yeah, it's delightful. Um and yeah, it's uh, you can watch it on HBO Max or maybe Comedy Central. Yeah, I think um, it's, I think it is on it airs on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. but uh if you in if you're streaming in these day, streaming days, I think it's all on HBO Max, or yeah. at least the first season is. But I mean, it's just, you know, I, I am a fan of anything that brings us more Aquafina, um, and she's fantastic. So I'm recommending Nora from Queens. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What are you recommending? Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, another film that deals with uh, a 
friendship between two men. Uh, oh, this this one, a much more toxic friendship. The 2019's comedy, The Climb, uh, which is about this friendship that spans the course of many years. It's a, a ton of like single takes. Uh, it's very impressively shot, like all these like oneers, and like the first take are these two friends like riding on bikes, like they're in France, like they're taking a trip together, and they're riding up this giant hill. As one tells the other that he has slept with his fiance, but he's waited for the hill, so now he's like you, he can't catch him as they're like <gasps> doing this all in one take, and this is like the, where the film starts, and you're like, the, these people are still going to be friends, Th- these people are still going to be in each other's lives, and just like the ways that they, f- these people still like ping pong into each other's lives wreaking specifically one wreaking havoc in the other uh it's it's really well done it's uh this guy michael angelo cavino who directed it and then plays like the awful friend um Mm -hmm. but it winds up being like surprisingly heartfelt and is uh, once again so impressively shot like with all these these oneers and er what's her name gail rankin who i loved on glow she played sheila who is like the wolf girl on glow Mm -hmm. is is in it and is fantastic so uh check out the 2019's the climb and that's what we're recommending this week so thank you again to ryan from nyc for recommending ferris bueller's day off and once again if you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of email us at and almost starring at gmail.com. And if you want to find out what film we're doing next so you can watch it before listening, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at and almost starring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.